0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, make us attentive. Let us hear what you want us to hear, see what you want us to see. And um, Lord, the spirit of the Lord is upon this man. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, fear of the Lord. Amen. Amen thanks, Marty. It's been an interesting week, hasn't it? Um, I, I am curious by nature, and so when large world events happen, I tend to want to watch and process and've been um, fascinated by the death of the queen and by um, people 's responses to that. Um, like one lady said, I'm not a monarchist, but I've been profoundly, this is an English lady, I've been profoundly affected by the Queen's death. I heard the word numerous times from different reporters and different people about how she was a, um, like a stabilising, she was stable, she brought stability. Um, you know what, I think that's actually true. I think in a world that's changing and scary and really broken that there was someone who was constant. So, not many constants in our world today, is there? And there's something weird about constants tend to bring us some comfort that the whole thing is not just totally messed up. Um, this morning I want to talk about Jesus' death and how around that um, yeah I think it's awesome that people you know someone like the Queen can have such influence that she brings some calm and peace to people's minds even in a subconscious kind of way um, and I think that's great but I believe that Jesus came to do the very same thing and he's not going anywhere he actually is a constant um And his death um, happened for a purpose. And so this morning I want to just start us with the question. Why do we carry what Jesus died to carry? Why do we continue to carry what Jesus died so that we don't have to carry it anymore? And I want to turn to the um, amazing piece of scripture in Isaiah 53, and they call it the Old Testament Gospel. In other words, the Old Testament good news about Jesus Christ. And um, I want to talk about how Jesus died that we may be healed. And I don't believe, I'm not Greek. I love their food, but I'm not Greek. And the Greek empire brought us something that I think was unhelpful, and that was we separate the mind, body, and the spirit. And as we look at this passage, we'll see that the Hebrew mind never does that. And I believe we get the mind of God through the Hebrew mind because he chose his people to reveal himself to the world. Jesus was a Jew. And um, and so the cross, Jesus' death on the cross, made a way for us to be healed physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And I'm going to separate them this morning, but I don't believe we should separate them, if that makes sense. I'm just separating them to make points. But as we look at even some of these words, the theologians will argue whether some of them actually mean grief or whether some of them mean sickness. Um, That's how hard it is to separate because God doesn't separate. When he heals our spirit, often he heals our emotions or he heals our body. And we want to talk about that this morning. So Jesus died, first point, and there's some handouts there if that's helpful for you. Jesus died to provide healing for our physical pain. Now, this is one of the words they argue over. Um, but again, I believe the connection with the... If Jesus died, right? I just... A bit like Melissa was saying this morning, other people were sharing. I totally agree with you, Matt. Um, you know, there's a proverb that says, the wise is kind to the animal. But like Marty said, you know, same thing. Look after butterflies. Is that God... I heard... I'm a fan of Derek Prince. He's gone to be with Jesus now, but you can still hear his teaching. And he says, um... Geez, um God attends the funeral of the sparrow. And often when Derek Prince would say that, he'd start to weep because the power of... No one cares about sparrows, but God does. Lots of people don't care about bees, but God does. Not everyone cares about butterflies, but not everyone cares about you, but God does. Hey, come on. Come on, we need... I want you to get it in your spirit today. Okay, because one thing to hear it's another thing to receive it. And I'd love you to receive what God has for you this morning. So Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he took up our infirmities. Now that word infirmities can be interpreted grief, okay? But also can be interpreted sickness. And he carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. Isaiah 53, 5 goes on to say, By his wounds we are healed. Today I want us to understand that in dying on the cross, Jesus brought healing for all our pain, physical, emotional, and spiritual. The word infirmities in verse 4 can be interpreted disease, grief, or sickness. The Bible doesn't separate the physical, emotional, spiritual. It just sees them as one. It sees you as a whole person. God sees you, us as whole people. When sin entered the world, so did sickness and disease. Some people, You know, sometimes people ask difficult questions. We've got to be careful answering difficult questions because we don't know everything. Only God knows and we don't understand. But I do believe part of the answer of why sickness and disease in the world because um, sin entered the world. God's relationship with people broke. And you know what? This is a great spiritual warfare or prayer kind of principle, right? Our will is a gate. So we can open our will to good or we can open our will to bad. Okay? You might say, well, I don't serve the devil. It's like, well, that's fine. But if you give him an opportunity, he'll smash up your life because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy but if you shut that gate and open it to Jesus, then a whole bunch of stuff is different. And you know what? God's not a manipulator, so he won't mess with our will. We can choose which gate we shut and open and to whom. And too often we want to push that responsibility onto God, the devil, or you know, our ex-partner or whatever. When the will is our choice, we have a choice. We have the power of will that God's given us to open the gate to him. Now, I don't think our will is strong enough to overcome a lot of stuff in this world. But when we connect our will to his will, then we have the power of his will to overcome stuff. So when sin entered the world, so did sickness and disease. I don't believe this was God's original plan for the world. And it's certainly not his plan for the next world. One of the things the church has got wrong, I think, in the last 30 or 40 years is we have forgot about teaching about the second coming and about that we have an eternity in heaven. That, that Our life here is about this big <laughs> and our life in eternity is about from the floor to the ceiling and it keeps going. How do you measure eternity? Yet we focus so much in this world. Thanks, mate. I love this verse, it's on your sheets there, Revelation 24. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. You know what? Some people don't care about your tears, but God does. Some people don't see your tears, but God does. And one day, I tend to think somehow he'll do this personally for each one of us. I don't know how. That he will just wipe the tears from our eyes. And there'll never be any more. There'll never be any more. I want to be at that party, friends. That's why I put my faith in Jesus Christ, because I don't want to miss that party. I don't want to miss Jesus' wife and the tears from our eyes. There'll be no more death, hey? How good is that? There'll be no more death. You know, one of the things I think that freaked out people with the death of the Queen is that when someone dies, we're faced with our own mortality. You know what you can be guaranteed of? you're going to die and we find a way to avoid that (laughs) especially as we get older you got to come to terms with it even more you know what it says i love psalm 23 it says though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death you know what i believe that when jesus died on the cross he turned death into a shadow we don't actually experience death As we would once have if we put our faith in Christ it's just a transition friends to something better he died he broke the fear of death we can actually if you still fear death you need to find Jesus in a deeper way because his death on the cross overcame the fear of death and so he can overcome the fear of death in our lives and I have sat by the bedside of people who were not Christians And watch them die and I've sat by the bedside of people who were Christians and watched them die and let me tell you it's a very different experience so if you have the fear of death today I encourage you to give your life to Christ or re-give your life to Christ or say Jesus I I believe you died I want to believe that you died to take away this fear of death because if, if you died to take it away why am I still walking around with it that one wasn't even in my notes, but it's it's there, okay? It's the same. He died for a whole bunch of stuff that we're not cashing in on, friends. I don't know about you, I like a lot of bang for my buck. And if Jesus died for some stuff, I want to cash in on that. Why aren't you? Maybe you are. If you're not, why not? So Jesus' coming was... The beginning of the process of restoration, and I want to make this note as well too, the Bible has this concept, and we're not going to rattle out all the verses this morning, that we Jesus died so that we could be saved, that we are being saved, and that we will be saved. Does that make sense? So it's the now and not yet concept, right? So he died that we may be healed, sometimes we are healed, but one day we'll be ultimately healed. Does that make sense? So we're, we're in the process of salvation. We're in the process of healing. So sometimes people get healed. So God is just to show us that one day he's going to restore all things. Everyone that gets physical healing in this life ends up dying. But it is a witness of the power of God that one day I'm going to get a new body. Woohoo! I'm a bit excited about that. <laughs> Paul talks about it in Corinthians, a new tent. This tent gets a bit worn out. We're going to get a new tent. Do we get excited about that? We're allowed to get excited about that. As 2020 and you, I thought, I remember someone in our church saying to me, what is going on? Because thing after thing after thing just happened. And you know, and I wanted to give this as, I haven't asked permission so I'm going to do it anonymously. But you put, some of you might work it out. You know, someone in our congregation got cancer for the second time and beat cancer for the second time. Someone in our, associated with our congregation had their car so smashed up that a policeman, a traffic cop who'd been a traffic cop for 30 years, said, I've never seen anyone survive an accident like that. Today they're walking around investigating faith and have a full-time job. God heals people. Some of you may have experienced God's healing in your life. Sometimes he does it through doctors. Sometimes he does it through wisdom. Sometimes he just does it by his spirit. But God heals today. I remember, sometimes I think we just don't lay claim of it enough. And I'm not going to shame anyone today, and I'll talk about that in a minute, um, because I think sometimes I put up with stuff I don't need to put up with. But I remember one night being at my parents' house, and it's just a little thing. I felt really nauseous, like I was going to throw up. And I thought, oh, I don't want to. this, whatever it is. And my parents at that time still had the old Queenslander. And between, they, when they first bought it, they put a block of toilets out the back to, you know, that was to replace the old thunder box that was up the back corner. And um, so at least they had a sewerage and proper toilets. And now they've put one inside, which I would have loved as a kid, but they didn't do it then. And so I'm walking out, because I was scared of the dark too. Where's my other daughter? That I should make that confession, shouldn't I? And, and so I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm an old adult by this time and I'm staying at my parents' house and I go back to this patio area at the back between the house and where these toilets are and there's a roof over it and no one was around right so I could just start pacing and taking authority over the sickness and rebuking the devil and then I just walked back and forth for a while ranting like a lunatic in prayer and went to bed and in the morning I woke up and went oh I never threw up. You know sometimes friends we don't fight enough I had an uh, argument with my pastor, one of my pastoral, you think I'm unstable?" I have at least two pastoral supervisors, Had an argument maybe this is why I'm still unstable had an argument with one of them today, um, this week, could I use the word anger?" I said, "Oh, i got angry about something, and it motivated me to bring some changes. Well, maybe it wasn't anger. Maybe it was passion. And I said, "Do you have a problem with anger?" It wasn't my job to ask him the questions, <laughs> but you know what? God gets angry with stuff. I think he gets angry with the world. That's why he sent Jesus. So I'm pretty happy God was not happy with the way the world was going. And so he sent Jesus. And sometimes, friends, if something's not right, don't get angry with people or the government. Get angry at the devil and use that energy in prayer to actually bring some change. Because in Jesus' name, he's given us the authority to bring change. Not just in our own lives, but in our world. But I want to just balance this right, because it's really important to balance the physical healing thing. And you've heard me say this before, John Wimber, one of the greatest healing evangelists that's ever been, died of cancer. At his last conference in Australia, I was there, and he was spraying, he called it pig spit, because he had a sense of humour. But he was spraying water into his mouth as he spoke, because his cancer treatment had stopped his saliva glands from working. But he's seen many people physically healed. Do I understand that? No. Another great champion of the faith, Bill Johnson, recently lost his wife to cancer. Do I understand that? No. But what John Wimber says, and you hear this in the Alpha um, session on healing, that John Wimber says when we didn't pray for anyone for healing, we never saw anyone get healed. But when we started to pray for people for healing, we saw some people healed, some not all. Okay, and sometimes we just got to leave. We pray, just like I love what King David did. He prayed for the baby in the story, and, and everyone was worried when the baby died that King David was going to lose it because he fasted and he prayed and he was beside himself. Then when the baby died, he just got up and he ate, and they said, oh, we're worried to tell you. He said, well, while the baby was alive, there was, there was hope, and so I prayed, but now I just accept what's happened. And I think there's real power in it. Just we pray. Our job is to pray. It's God's business whether he heals or not. But just because it's God's business whether he heals or not shouldn't stop us praying. Does that make sense? Is that okay? Because what if God in this particular instance wants to heal? We don't know unless we ask. Secondly, Jesus died to provide healing for our emotional pain. I love this verse. It says, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Um, sorrows here grief if you want to interpret that word you know can mean grief grief is intense sorrow caused by loss i think some of us know what that feels like sorrow is an emotion of great sadness associated with loss or bereavement when this verse says carries our sorrows the word carry is also the same word for a porter or one who carries a heavy load for another person I want you to hear this. The baggage does not belong to the porter. So, my sorrow is not Jesus, but he carries it. Does that make sense? I don't know about you, but I'm okay with people carrying my bags. I've just learned to accept people's gifts over the. Willie had some chocolate before. I thought she was going to give it to me, but it was obviously. She's still laughing. It wasn't for me. But I'm, I've learned how to receive, right? But I think sometimes I still carry my own sorrows. But Jesus died to carry my sorrow. It's still my sadness. It's still my grief. But he wants to help carry it. Maybe can we let him? Again, we come to this verse... um, for of revelation 21 he will wipe every tear from their eyes there'll be no more mourning there'll be no more mourning or crying or pain there'll be no more sadness I almost, who's comfortable with sadness i know we have to kind of process it and i, I don't ever get more comfortable with sadness it just seems foreign maybe it was never meant to be in our world I suspect before sin entered the world, it wasn't in the Garden of Eden and that Adam and Eve did not experience sadness. And that's why it still seems so foreign to us. Now, the psychologists tell us we need to kind of accept it, acknowledge it, process it. Well, that's great. I think we also need to invite Jesus to help us carry it until we see him face to face and he takes it away once for all. Will you let Jesus carry your sorrow today? Some, maybe some of you carrying sorrow. You've been carrying for a very long time. And it's time just to put that bag down and let Jesus pick it up. He carried our sorrows. And thirdly, Jesus died to provide healing for our spiritual pain. It, instead of spiritual pain, I, I, I just feel we could write shame. And I know, again, psychologists would argue all different ways to um, overcome your shame, but I really believe that shame comes from that, like Sarah was illustrating so well today, that disconnection from God. Because you know what? This is my biggest, this is actually my biggest, it's a weird way to look at it, I know, but this is my biggest problem with evolution, right? If I come from a one-celled thing in a swamp, then I can act like that. If I come from an ape, then I can act like an ape. But if I come from a perfect God who has a character that's good and kind and loving and merciful and gracious, then I'm called to act like that. And act is probably the wrong word. Be like that. That's my biggest problem with evolution. But if I have a heavenly Father who from Psalm 139 thought about me a lot before I was even born and then allowed me to come into this world just as he wanted me to be. And I'm made in his image. How do I have shame? How do I have shame? And, you know, even when we become Christians, I think sometimes, again, we carry our shame when he died to take it away. And to define shame, a lot of you probably know the definition of shame, is just when guilt is when I feel bad for something I've done. Shame is I just feel bad for who I am, that I'm not okay. I've been studying, it's taken me forever, but I've been studying counselling for about five years. Um, I've loved the journey. I'm a journey guy, so I love the journey. I'll be grieving at the end of the year when I finish, if I finish, and um, if I pass. And... Um, but in the second year, we're doing some practice stuff and I felt really out of my depth. And one of the lecturers I really respected, just in passing quietly, said, oh, I would come to you to get counselling. And you know what it did for me? It spoke into who I am. It affirmed who I am. And I believe that's what God does for us. See, when Jesus was baptised, the Father said, this is my son. Spoke to his identity, who we are, with whom I'm well pleased, affirmed who he was. You know what? Sometimes our dads either haven't been in our lives or haven't been able to do that for us. But we need to get in relationship with Jesus and be able to hear the father's voice where he says, this is my son, this is my daughter, whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. How good is it to hear good job. We don't hear it enough in life, do we? You know what? Sometimes I think we struggle to hear this, but there's times when God says to you, good job. Even when you stuff things up. Because he looks at our heart, not our stuff-ups. You know what, Stacey? I'm sorry you had to get kicked out of Duralong, and I totally understand that. But God looks at your heart. See, the problem with institutions is we have to go by the rules. I get that. It's what, you know it's okay, you know, it's okay, we need to accept that, but you know, God does not have to abide by the rules of an institution, okay, so he looks at our heart, and when other people would judge us, or you know, when I'm speeding and I'm not paying attention, I'll reap the consequence of that, and that's okay, that's okay, I need to reap that consequence, but I don't need to get into condemnation and shame about it do i friends we're all going to keep making mistakes that's why i love sarah's illustration of what happens when i sin and i'm a christian you know what worst case scenario it breaks a bit of fellowship with god but it doesn't break the relationship otherwise jesus died for nothing jesus died so we're gonna you know it takes i think a lot of hard work over a long period of time for people to walk backslide or get away from god actually takes a fair bit of hard work okay because once we're in relationship with Jesus, we're in relationship with Jesus. And we need to get the security around that and relax into that and let Him keep working and bringing us to where He wants to take us. Now, there's a couple of words here I want to just explore for a minute because they're very, very interesting. Um, he was pierced for our transgressions. Interesting word. What does it mean? He was crushed for our iniquities. Now, the word. Where are we? The word here, transgressions, means this is so appropriate. Not for you. It's just talking about myself, of course. Willful rebellion. Hey, that's what that means. Have you ever been involved with willful rebellion? Or was it just me? You probably heard this story when I shared I used to have a, a rip curl shirt. Now, this, just to mess with your theology, I believe God stole this shirt from me. He was teaching me about submission to authority. And I had this very cool long-sleeved, you know, it was the 80s, so it was, you know, fluorescent yellow or something, Rip Curl surf shirt that I loved because it said, I was born in 1969, right, when Rip Curl was birthed as a company. So on the back it said, Rebellious since 1969. No, went, yeah! Right? And God started to teach me about the principle of submission to authority and my shirt disappeared, and I've never found it since. Maybe that was a miracle. Just vanished. I don't know where it went. You know what? And I found this other verse that was really scary because sometimes we worship rebellion, and God doesn't. It. it says rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. What does that mean? What's witchcraft? Witchcraft's really control at its extreme. See, Jesus comes to give us freedom. Anything that's not Jesus, friends, is going to start to control you sooner or later if you haven't already worked that out. Even my own self will. But if I give my will to Jesus, he will bring me freedom. When I connect with Jesus and have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we think, you know, sometimes preachers, I think, done a disservice because they say, give God control of your life. It's like God doesn't want to control your life. He wants to give you freedom. And of the fruit of the Spirit is self Control. So if you actually want control of your life, lay down the control and you'll get control. Does that make sense? Just need to read the verses. Iniquities means to bend. I found this fascinating too. Iniquities means to bend, twist, distort. Hey? Has your mind ever bended, twisted or distorted anything? That other people called reality and you turned it into something weird? That's called iniquity. Iniquity. When sin entered the world, iniquity entered the world, and our minds got weird. Have you ever checked in with someone saying, you know, what just happened there? And they go, nothing. Oh, really? Iniquity. It bends, twists, distorts, describes sin's power to twist and distort something good. Great example is sex, hey? Sex was God's idea. It's a really good idea. It's a really good idea. In its right context, how much has iniquity bended, twisted and distorted sex to make it something that becomes has become very painful for some people, very hurtful for some people? Sex was God's idea, but iniquity distorted it and twisted it. How many other things... Has God created good and iniquity has twisted and distorted to cause pain and suffering? See, that's what the devil does. The devil can't create anything. He just takes what God made good and twists it into something really messed up that wrecks the world, if you're wondering. The other word in here I want to look at is, it says in this verse, punishment. But another way it can be translated is chastisement or chastising, chastening. Um, it describes this fascinating fascinating definition, because we've lost some of these words in our modern language a bit. Because, um, you know, just love, 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 and everything will be okay. Well, I don't think that's actually true. Um, chastening describes the... I imp- don't know what that word is. can't read my own writing. Chastening is painful consequences. So Jesus suffered the painful consequences of sin... So we don't have to. You ever suffered the consequences of something? It's disappointing. I remember rolling my first car. I suffered the consequences of not, you know, I, was, I had this car for a while. It was under the guard. You wash it. You know, a 16-year-old, you wash the car even before you get your license. Because I've got a car. I can't wait to get my license. And then I had a license and a car. And then I had a license and no car. And I had to suffer the consequence of that. Well, you know what? Praise God, we don't have to suffer the consequence of our sin. We don't have to suffer the consequence of separation from the love of God or the peace of God or the joy of God. We don't have to suffer the consequence of being separated from God forever. When we accept Jesus, we can experience the forgiveness of sin, his power to overcome sin and the peace of having a clear conscience before God. We can come to God and receive forgiveness because, our fa- because of our faith in what Jesus did on the cross. Who loves freebies? It's just me. Come on. Who, is there anyone in the room, if you're brave enough, that doesn't love freebies? Anyone? Anyone not love freebies? You know what? I've thought about this, and if you can think of something that's not, that is really free, let me know. But I don't think anything's free. Trees got to pay for that, don't they? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of this philosophical principle is anything really free? And all the freebies I've ever received, someone, somewhere paid for that. See, Jesus paid for the consequences of my sin. So I can have free salvation. I can have a free relationship with him. But he paid dearly. We talk about the free gift of salvation, but it was very costly for Jesus. Well, I believe that God has a plan to restore this world to better than original. Actually, Revelation talks about a new heaven and a new earth. And that Jesus came to, was, was, I don't think the start of that plan. I think the plan started way back in Genesis. But I think it was a significant moment in that plan coming to fruition when Jesus came to this earth. And another very significant moment in that plan when Jesus died on the cross and then was raised from the dead. And God is still bringing that plan to fruition. Yeah, I lost my last page. It means I have to finish don't it. <laughs> See, you thought I knew what I was doing. I have no idea. Um, what I want us to do this morning. This is really important. So you know, try not to be distracting with my own confusion. I'm not that old yet, mate. <laughs> this one's only light. I'd love us if you if you feel comfortable with this, and um, put that there somewhere. I'll get rid of this. But if this if the symbolism's helpful for you, right, and understanding Jesus died, and and I love the fact that he's not on the cross anymore because he said it's finished. And when Je- when the Father rose him from the dead, proved it was absolutely finished. Right, So the cross is empty, but it stands for what he achieved through the cross. And if it's helpful for you this morning to... I don't know, I want to make this as health and safety appropriate as possible. Um, Maybe you just want to walk past it, because it's as easy as that sometimes, and just dump some stuff there that you've been carrying for way too long. Maybe you need to just... um, What's the word? Loiter here for a little while to make sure you can prize your fingers off that junk you've been holding on to for way too long to make sure you really let it go. Whatever's helpful for you, but I don't understand why sometimes I carry stuff I just don't need to carry anymore. And something will happen either tomorrow or this week or whatever that will push my buttons and so I need to do another lap, pass across, and go. Oh, yeah, sorry, I picked this up this week. Jesus, just put it down, and then I can walk free. Is that okay? So, if you want to engage with it this morning, we you know we can take whatever time we want. We don't really have to be. You know, I know the Jurong guy's probably got lunch, but you can eat heaps of morning tea if you miss lunch. Is that okay? Um, But I'm saying, if people want to go, but also if you want to engage in this, and if you know you're carrying stuff that you know, if you're still wrestling with shame, for goodness sakes, get rid of that. It's too powerful in the negative sense. If you still, if you've got got physical pain today, um, happy to come and pray with you if you want. Um, Emotional pain, we just, you know, let Jesus carry some of that sorrow. Let Him carry all of it. Sorrow will still come in this world. If we've got someone to carry it for us, it becomes so much less of a burden. Hey? Just invite the band to come, and whether you want to engage in worship or engage in dropping some stuff at the cross, do whatever's helpful for you. But um, let's allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into whatever we need to do this morning.